0: Homestyle Green episode 49, how do you build a family home in Christchurch that's warm, comfortable, resilient and doesn't have any power bills? G'day, Matthew cutler Welsh here from Homestyle Green. This is the show about how to make a home that is better for you and also better for the planet. And this week I am speaking to a good friend, Chris Mackay, who has built a very good home in Christchurch. And it's uh, it's been great to catch up with Chris. I actually got to have a look at their house during the construction process and it's now finished and they've had a winter in the house and it was great to find out how that's been going for them. Um, Chris is also a very accomplished photographer and we don't touch that on the interview, but you can head over to um, his uh, Facebook page, Chris Mackay Photography. And I'll also put a link to his website on the in the show notes as well. That's Chris, Ma- Chris Mackay uh, Photography uh, because there's some stunning images there. None of his house at this stage, but we will endeavour to get some of those up on the site so you can have a look at some of the issues that we talk about and how he's gone about creating a house that doesn't have any power bills in Christchurch. Um, It's been a pretty busy week, couple of weeks, so hence we I actually missed getting an episode out this week, so apologies for that um but there is some good stuff coming up so Right now, we'll head on straight into the interview. This is Chris Mackay speaking about his quite unique house in Christchurch. Today, I've got with me Chris Mackay from Christchurch, who have, I guess, just finished building, what, two years ago?
1: I actually finished last November.
0: Last November? Yeah,
1: moved in last November.
0: Okay, so Chris, give a description of your house.
1: Uh, Our house is a uh, fairly standard looking home. Five bedroom, 275 square meter sizeable home uh, built in the um, West
0: Melton area of Christchurch. And that so it includes a garage at 275?
1: Yeah, it includes a double garage, yeah. uh, but we've also got an additional 36 square meters of usable attic space where we used uh, attic trusses. Um, the purpose of that obviously was to provide us with the additional space to put in our water system
0: right now i've been there briefly just before it was finished and it mm. from the outside doesn't really look anything special what are some of the things that make it different from just a regular normal house in the in the subdivision um well we, we planned when we built the house we we obviously
1: designed it on the the basis well in fact we even bought the section based on the sun right and we also used a planning technique whereby we could maximise the use of the sun during the winter to warm right. the house, yep. and minimise the exposure to the sun during the summer uh-huh. to keep the heat out. So we we used uh, uh, an architect who understood our requirements, yep, and we tweaked and uh, got the design down to a point where we, we managed to do it. Now, in that, we... Also stressed the importance of insulation. Right. The barriers that we needed to stop leakage of heat. Yep. Both from underneath and out through the roof um, and obviously through the wall. So we opted to go for an exterior cladding of, uh, uh, I can't even think of the name of it now, rock coat. Right. A rock cake. Yep. So so soft concrete. Yep. Um, for its density. Yeah. Uh, and also the thickness. And it didn't tend to have the the air leaks that often you find with brick homes or weatherboard homes. Right. So it gave you a much better seal yep. around your joinery, et cetera. Exterior joinery was all thermally broken aluminium. On we- your windows. On our windows, yep. yeah, and uh, the beauty with thermally broken is it stops that there is a barrier between the indoor and outdoor. It's as simple as that. PVC was an option that we looked at, but at the time when we built, um, it was the availability mm-hmm. of the PVC, the cost compared to the the uh,
0: thermally broken aluminium. Yeah, sure. Uh, Do you know how much of a premium the Thermally broken frames were above uh, standard? From
1: anymore? memory for our house, which has got some large windows, mm-hmm. um, it was about $8,000, seven 000 to $8,000 in addition.
0: For the whole house? For the whole house, yeah. But that's not bad when you consider, the, you're not going to change those now that they're in. Oh, and uh, in
1: relativity to the actual cost of the house, it's, it's you know, it was a no-brainer. Right. Yeah. The only thing you got to make sure is, and when it, when it comes down to the planning, is you've you do need to ensure that your aluminium joinery with thermally broken gear meets the requirements of your actual framing size because, for argument's sakes, we've got stack sliders.
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: And so stack sliders with thermally broken require that you have 145 mil framing and not 90
0: Because the frame itself becomes a lot thicker, so you need thicker walls to be able to hold that frame in unless you have a rebated window frame, which looks kind of ugly. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got one hundred and forty uh, external framing,
1: not through the entire house. Okay, only only through the um, areas where there's the uh, stack sliders, right? Which okay. is three walls ultimately, and it, and we found there was no thermal insulation benefit from going to an extra size framing, right? Or the the benefits that we would gain certainly did not um, justify going to that right throughout the whole house, right? Anymore. And, yeah
0: well that's a good thing to know because uh, yeah. um, we haven't people talk about that, but they're not sure about the cost, but the fact yeah. that you, you can do it you don't have to necessarily do it on the whole house you can just do it on one or two walls oh absolutely yeah. tell us about the um the concrete slab concrete slab uh, we've obviously
1: you know one of the things with heating of the home we've we've looked at um how well, we looked at how we were going to heat it and first and foremost for the the winter we opted for a fire right um And I'll come on to that later with the the benefits of that fire. But we also wanted some redundant heating um, for the house should the fire not be used. So the options were air conditioning um, or heating via a a heat pump or radiators or whatever. We opted, because of the benefits we felt were beneficial to us, was for a heated slab using water. So going for a, a hydronic heating system. And that's powered by a heat pump. Uh, yeah. now having used it for one winter and Canterbury winters are very very cold you generally don't notice the benefits until you actually turn the heating off,
0: Right. So it's
1: such a passive heating uh-huh. that our house um, was split up into six zones, mm-hmm. we had 12 uh, coils or 12 yep. circuits six zones and all operated independently of um, by thermostat and we just had, had our house ultimately at a 22, 23 degree ambient temperature. Nice. And it was just, it was lovely. It wasn't too hot, not too cold. And uh, it, it, yeah, to me now, having been through the winter, having turned it off, been away overseas for a period and coming home, we noticed just how much of a benefit it had been to the house, yep. to the general warmth of the yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but obviously when, when we put the slab in, we needed to make sure that the heat that we were putting into the slab came up and not down. Right. So we opted to put polystyrene under the entire slab. And not only that, was to put a perimeter um, ring. Well, basically, we had an external polystyrene uh, perimeter um, bound to the foundation, all around the edge, yeah, all around the edge. So it went down the down the the edge under the entire slab, and we also made the floor an extra twenty five mils thicker.
0: Right now, um, was that edge slab insulation?
1: Was that hard to do? No, there's there's actually a company in Christchurch and uh, Belfast who make a uh, um, a polystyrene um, edging. There. Yeah, well, they will make anything for you. Yep. So it comes in a pre-plastered look, so all yeah. you have to actually do is paint it. Right. And uh, so it's, it's an extruded uh, polystyrene yeah. with a hard outer.
0: Um, we might grab the name of the, the company for you and, uh, and put it on here so people can find it because we I often talk about that it. and I, I try to promote that yes. concept and a lot of people say, oh, it's really, really hard to do. Yeah, um, But it's just a matter of finding, finding the product. It. Yeah. And, and it was easy getting the builder to do it?
1: Um, yeah, very simple. Because with the builder, we gave him a clear understanding of what our requirements were and the importance of having it done once, done properly. Yeah, right. Because there was no getting going back and uh, doing it again. So I actively made sure that everything met our requirements right throughout the entire build and and project managed it ourselves.
0: So you've got design and site selection for the sun. You've got above code insulation.
1: Yeah, we've we've gone to – In insulation under the floor, we've gone to 40 mil because there was no benefit whether you went to 40 mil, 100 mil, or 200 mil. There was no additional R value out of that over and above 40 millimetres. So we opted for that. Um, And then in the ceilings, we've gone for double insulation. Right. So from memory, I think we're up at R5.2.
0: With all the timber covered over. Yeah,
1: so basically, yeah, so we've gone... um, in opposite directions, first layer yep. between the the trusses and yep. what have
0: you. Second
1: layer straight over the top and the so you've eliminated direction. your thermal thermal yep. bridging up there. And yep. was
0: that uh, what material was was that, that you used in the in the roof? That was just straight out fiberglass bats. The fiberglass, yeah, yep. and fiberglass walls as well.
1: Yeah, so every wall on the house is batted. Yeah, including the garage right. and insulation under the garage floor as well. Right. So double layer above the garage, and we've gone for f- um, uh, insulated garage doors. Right. Yep. So that the whole thing is is yeah, you know, as you know, you know, you go into a garage and it's absolutely freezing and then there's a huge leak of air that gets yeah, out from yeah. the house under there. So we opted to to secure that area yep. of the home. Yep. Sure, we get a bit around the garage doors, a bit of leakage, but we've certainly tried to minimize it as much as we could.
0: A family broken window frames. Uh anything special about your glass?
1: Yeah, on a inner glass, um, we did some research with regards the uh, the use of laminate, yeah, laminated glass. Um, the use of low E glass, mm-hmm. tinted glass, all sorts of options. We looked at and we, the 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 research that had been done up to that point suggested to us that there was no additional benefit from going to a low E glass, right, from a standard glass, right. So the only thing we've done is we've put laminate on all the north facing windows, and the only reason we've done that. Is to protect the UV coming in, right? So, so right. just minimise the risk of damage from the sun to the yep. furniture and what have you. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, it's certainly not an R value that mm. we were looking at there because we felt that any benefit from the cost, just there was no, um, there was no way you could justify paying the extra for the additional R value. You could right. get the better R value by Increasing your bets in the ceiling at a yeah. much lesser cost. Uh, uh, over, over, the yeah. overall and, and adequate design of your home yeah. with deep eaves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because so you
0: still get that. You still get that quite hot sun in Canterbury as well. It's quite an interesting climate because you get yeah, the, the, the norwesters and the, the hot weather, and you want to keep the sun out during the yes. during the, winter, the summertime. Yeah, but you want to let plenty of it in in the winter. Um, so we've covered off the insulation, your glazing, your slab. Your hot water to heat the underfloor, but tell us about your domestic supply of hot water.
1: Uh, domestic supply is is also heated by a heat pump. Right. And what we do, what, what I've done is I haven't done it conventionally because normally with a conventional heat pump hot water system where it heat, heats your floor is you have a, a coil that runs through your domestic hot water supply. Yep. And so the, the hot water for your floor is heated by that. Mm-hmm. Whilst the water doesn't come into contact with the domestic hot water, that's the principle that's used. I've I've gone slightly in reverse to that. And what I use is a low-pressure system for my floor whereby the heat pump heats the hot water to my slab. Yep. And I then have a 30-metre coil that goes through my preheat tank for my floor. And that's my domestic supply. So it is my domestic supply of hot water that is preheated by my floor water yep. as opposed to the other way around. The benefit with that is is that the temperature of my water hitting my domestic supply tank is always at a minimum of about 40 to 45
0: degrees. Right. So there's very little work for it to do to bring it up. Oh, to absolutely.
1: The- and, it's, it, and as far as I'm concerned, it's free energy because I was heating my floor anyway. Right. And so the heat was already there. I'm then transferring it because the floor's not always obviously working the whole time. It's, it's often redundant, but the water needs to stay hot for yeah, right. the use of it. So I'm just using that as a preheat for my domestic supply. Thereby so your heat water pump demand.
0: water heater is working most of the time, and then when you need the heater, when you need the floor on, it's circulating through yes. the floor, but when it's not on, it'll still work and that'll preheat your domestic supply, domestic supply yeah. which is then topped up with By a… the heat pump. And um, Right. So it
1: it's it goes through a heat exchanger. Yeah. So I have a, a secondary heat exchanger right that diverts the water to that when it needs to heat up my uh, and that takes water. it
0: up from the 40 45 Five to 45 to the, the
1: whatever I've set it to which in my case is 55 degrees.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, that's not the only unique thing about the uh, how you've used the sun.
1: No, I've um <laughs> Yeah, I obviously when we built the house um we Designed and built the house for the sun, yeah, with the pure intention of going to solar or photovoltaic cells. Yep. Uh, the research f- that we undertook suggested that we were going to be more, it was more beneficial for us to put an electricity converting cell on the roof, yeah, than a hot water generating cell, right? And the benefit for that is obviously when hot water, solar hot water is on your roof, once your water's hot, it's hot. Yeah. So anything that you use thereafter is wasted of that solar energy. Yeah. We felt that it was cheaper for us in the long run to put a photovoltaic cell in its place, Mm -hmm. generate the electricity to run my heat pump, which obviously runs at a five-to-one ratio. Yeah, right. Well, at at its It's um, best COP. Yeah. But even if it's three-to-one, I'm getting three units of electricity out of one unit of electricity that I generate.
0: Which you're generating for free yeah. in the first place. Yeah, and
1: life. so for anything that I don't use, I then had the option of going to either send it to a battery yeah. or send it back to the grid. So that was the dilemma for us. Do we go battery? Do we go grid-tight? Right. We opted for grid-tight yeah. because of the, the cost involved of going to battery at the time. And we also wanted to make sure that it was working to its optimum and how it would work. Yeah, And at that time... Uh, the benefit for us through the Meridian one-to-one scheme yeah. and that we could generate and basically get exactly the same amount of money back. Yeah, right. So what we did is then we uh, worked out how many cells we were going to put on the roof and how much power we were going to generally use. Yep. So in the end, I've ended up putting uh, once again because of the way I've, I've designed it mm-hmm. and worked. I've got three two-kilowatt inverters. Yep. I run uh, three arrays of uh, two strings each, a total of forty-two, uh, one hundred ninety watt panels. Yep, that generate on average eleven kilowatts per array per day. So basically, thirty-three kilowatts of power per day on average I generate. So in the in the middle of winter, I'm generating maybe. Uh, 10 to 18 kilowatts a day but on the peak of summer. So that I'm
0: that's the Right. So so that's probably more than what the people would normally put on their roof at the moment or in yeah. a regular system. Yeah. probably would be looking around 2 2 to 3 kilowatt uh peak yes. capacity. Um but your what are what are the results been? Well the results have been Oh, the, the
1: short answer to that is I have never had a power bill. Right. <laughs> and that that's uh um, I'm still sitting in credit, right? Um, I'm just about to change my uh, supplier of energy. Yeah. Um, because to, to give you an idea, you 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 really need to do your sums and work out based on the system that you have. Because I have overcapitalized on my solar panels. Yeah. So whilst I've got six kilowatts of generation capabilities, I've actually got seven point eight kilowatts of power capacity on the roof. Right. Means that I get to peak sooner and stay at peak longer before I start getting down on that downward slope right, at the end right. of the day. Yeah. So what it means is that I'm generating a lot more electricity than I need. Yeah. Yeah. And so I you're capitalize a net, you're a net on exporter. That. Yeah. So I so I export. Yeah. Now because I'm exporting um a lot more than what most people are. I then have to say, well, I need to maximise those returns. Yeah. So what I opt for is I opt for my power plan to be, I pay more for my power during the day.
0: Yeah. And
1: I pay less for my power at night.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because generally speaking, my power during the day, I don't consume anything. Or I don't import anything unless it's a particularly nasty day.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Even on a, on a cold day, cold, wet, windy day, I'm still generating six kilowatts of power.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: which generally feeds my demands during the day because of my. I think
0: you mentioned you're going to swap there. I think the interesting thing there is that I hope that we do see some change in the structure of the way uh, electricity is retailed. And I think anyone getting into solar is probably going to have to keep doing research because I suspect, I hope people, um, the companies will will change their plan, adapt it, and and we might have to see some new offerings in the way that those are structured. Because I, I, I would like to think that your Type of situation will be more prevalent in the future, mm. and it it totally makes sense from the from the utilities point of view. Yeah. So we've we're just moving on from power bills. Um, that's obviously the only match you've got a young family. Yes. Um, what what's the house like to live in? Oh, it's lovely. But you know, the,
1: obviously we're in a new area, and mm-hmm. we've got friends who live in those areas. Right.
0: And with similar age houses.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. They all come into our house and say, oh, it's so lovely and warm. <laughs> and, you know, and the the thing that really is disturbing for them is that we don't pay power bills. Yeah. <laughs> and they see these solar panels on their roof, my roof. And, you know, I, I look in our subdivisions that we're living in, and we are the only house with solar panels on right? our roof. Yeah. And there's a couple with solar hot water out there. Aren't
0: there? No, right, there's obviously. quite a few with solar hot water. Yeah. Um but they obviously didn't do the same research as you.
1: Yeah, and you know, well, a lot of people don't really think about that. They just they just hear about solar hot water mm. and they think. Well, in fact, everyone thinks, or well, most people think, that all my cells are to do with solar hot water right. because they don't right. really know or understand. Just see TV. a thing up on the roof. Yeah. So. uh Yeah, it's it's a shame, you know. It's I I look at all the roof space. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I look at. I look at the roof space yeah. and think, you, you know, that's money you're that's wasting. It's wasted opportunity yeah, or that roof space. Yeah. All that, and, and a lot of and, it's north-facing too. And they pay their power bill every month. Yeah. Um, whereas they could be put – even a, a one or two kilowatt system. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go big to start with.
0: Now, the other thing that's happened, of course, since you've finished is that the power hasn't been all that – um it's been mostly reliant. Yeah, mostly it, reliant. But, but you're not immune to power cuts out there. No,
1: it's um, it's, it's a rural area. So we've got a lot of the transmission lines are bunched up against tree-lined farms and what have you. Yeah. So it does take a bit of wind, northwest wind. Yeah. And you get a short of the line, and all of a sudden you're without power.
0: So then your inverter goes down, right? Your Inverter goes down, yeah. Your power cells don't work. So what yep, happens Your power then?
1: system doesn't work. So I've got a bit of backward compatibility. Right. Whereby I, when I... Um, Wired the house I wired up a system Whereby I could plug My generator Into a caravan plug On the outside of the house Mm -hmm. And that comes back Into the mains board At which I flick one switch And that cuts off My mains power Back to the street Yeah And turns on my power That allows it to come in From The generator Right So then That then powers up The inverters Because I've now got 240 volt supply To the inverters Yeah But even if it was dark, it's still I've still got enough power on the generator to run my whole house. Right, and the power in itself, um, if the if it's daytime and the sun's shining, well then it'll be jet taking it off the roof.
0: Right, yeah,
1: with the safety of that not going back to the the grid.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's an important thing because a lot of people might not know that. Uh, you need some power coming to that inverter for it to work. Yeah, think yeah it's think a forward that, oh. compatibility.
1: So yeah. you, it's reliant on two hundred and forty volts,
0: enabled to to convert the the DC volts. Right. So by having a generator, that'll be enough to run some background power, keep your lights on, and and keep the home operating. Yep. Absolutely. But it, the, its main function is to allow you to keep generating from the roof as well.
1: Yeah, but you've got you've it's got to be done in a way that. Uh, when you flick that switch, it it isolates the ability for you to generate power and send it back to the grid. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not just power cuts that are the problem. It's if a linesman comes up the road to do some maintenance on the power lines.
0: Yeah. And, and, and
1: um, if you're sending power back to the grid, all of a sudden he's going to get a shock. Yeah, yeah. Thinking that he's
0: safe. Because so. you're a serious generator Oh, absolutely. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to anyone who's about to build or in the process of designing? Uh, Plan and research
1: Mm -hmm. are probably the two fundamental things. Um, Getting your section in the right location Mm -hmm. is is fundamentally the most important thing because it's no point in buying a section where your house is going to be primarily facing away from the sun yeah or your living areas yeah so you need to buy you know as we sound we we found the best place for us was to buy a house where the street went east uh sorry north south right and that we could build the house with the the main structure and the main bedrooms kitchen on the east side yeah and so the sun just went rose from the
0: morning and
1: Bedrooms at night, right? So, so you could, and, and then you can
0: maximise heads. your your roof space to be facing yeah. facing facing the facing sun. north. Yeah. Now, so the end result there, you, you've got resilience, you've got comfort, you've got no power bills. Mm-hmm. What was really the main motivation that you chose to build a house in the way that you did, rather than just a stock standard home? What was what's the big why behind it all? Um.
1: We, you know, obviously with the Christchurch earthquakes, we were we were living in a different location. Our house got destroyed, mm-hmm. and but prior to that, we had always looked at improving um, our insulation and, right. and power power bills. At the end of the day, power bills are yep. a as are a burden on anybody. Yep, you've got no control over the cost of power. Yeah. And so we we felt that it was time to start conserving energy. Mm-hmm. So what we had done at our old place was double insulated, uh, got, sorry, gone for double glazing throughout the house. Yep. So we retrofitted double glazing. We had um, made sure all our insulation up in the ceiling was double insulation. Yeah. Uh, we had no control, obviously, of the walls because yeah, of yeah. the style of the house. Um, but we insulated once again under the... Under the slab, yeah, right, or under the under, under the, the floor. The so out. when when we came to build our new house because of this, one of the things that was paramount to us was that we built a very very energy efficient home. Yep, that maximised the use of the sun for our heating. Yep, uh, that's a no brainer. But you know, obviously, um, in the winter you only want that. You don't want it in the summer. Yeah, so we that's where we our design. We went to the architect and says, "Right, get us to this point." Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so that's where we ended up with the deep eaves and um, the house situated where it was. Yeah, even after the designer came back to us and says, "Look, this is where uh, this is what I propose," we still tweaked it and we still moved the house another five degrees. Yeah, right. Just to get their solar panel fully optimizer Yeah.
0: Can you tell us who the architect was?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, the gentleman um, was Fero Architecture. Yep. Bud Caldwell was his name in Christchurch. Cool. Yeah, very, very good guy.
0: Now, you've obviously got the really positive result of no power bills. Um, people are probably going to know about cost. You don't have to tell us what it costs to build. Do you know how much more you probably – or did you f- spend more than you would have done if you just bought a house from a, a regular design book?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just by increasing your insulation and, and uh, um, going – the whole under slab polystyrene and things like not a great deal of expense, but it was more more expense, um, as a percentage. Ob- what,
0: have you got a, oh, a sort of a ballpark figure of, of what sort probably of probably about
1: five percent?
0: Only five percent in 5% total. Five percent of the cost. Yeah. Wow. So that's not a lot.
1: Oh, look, you know, even since we've built, I I installed the the solar myself, and that was last June. Yep. that I installed that. Yeah, and I could t- I tell you now that the cost of that same solar system would probably be about twenty five percent less. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, the
0: numbers are converging more and more to it make even more sense to build in the way that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, just before we finish it off, you got a a website uh, or a, some a resource recommendation?
1: I, I found it. You know, obviously we I did all my research online. Yep. Um, and that included overseas sites. But two very good sites in New Zealand to give you some good information are uh, the Eco Bob forums. Yep. There's a lot of information on those. Yep. And if you filter through a lot of it, a lot of it's,
0: um, you know, you can – a bit of friendly right. banter going on there Yeah, as well. there is.
1: And, um, <laughs> but there are some there very knowledgeable very people.
0: Very opinionated people. There are, but there's some very knowledgeable people there yep, as well. absolutely. So it's, and okay. there are, the,
1: thing, the beauty is there are a lot of people on there who have actually done it. Yeah, that's right. And that that's what you want, is you want people who have actually done it, not people who yeah, are yeah. thinking about it or, yeah. or think they know it all, but yeah. people who have actually done it yeah. and can give you the results. Yeah. Um, another very good site with a wealth of information, even though you don't need to use their product, is Enosolar, who oh, yeah. are... The inverter manufacturers here in Christchurch, uh, in Christchurch. Yep, very very knowledgeable people. Um, they have some very good information, some good links on their site. Yep. Um, the one one thing I I would say that does disturb me somewhat is that none of the re- electricity retailers offer very much information on their sites about solar.
0: Yeah, right. PV. You know, yeah. you can
1: search through the websites, and there's n- almost nothing.
0: Yeah, are yeah. about
1: the benefits of it, how they can benefit you, the client, um, by moving towards it, yeah. and how to go about it. You know, that's is, interesting.
0: Yeah, I imagine they might be a little bit a bit nervous about it. In some no, of them. Well, they
1: they shouldn't be, because ultimately, you know, they, it's a benefit to them. Well, and it it's reduces coming. their so
0: peak load. They need to get their heads around it, and, yeah. and I think we're start- I mean, we've obviously benefited from Vector yeah. on this house. I think Vector's starting to see the light there, and they're doing a little bit of work, Mm. but yeah, that's, that's an interesting, um, perspective. Hey, well, thank you very much for sharing all that, uh, Chris. Mm. Um, I, and like I say, I've been there only once just before it was finished and, and not during the middle of winter. So I look forward to going to experience it in a, in a cold winter's morning and, uh, and checking out how it can be done. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks very much. Well, I hope you found that useful. I think it's good to speak with someone who's actually gone through the process of, creating a home that is above the building code and performs in such a, a good way. And to go down into the detail of how to actually achieve that because it's all well and good speaking about the theory of these uh, topics like extra insulation, facing the sun and insulating the edge of the slab. But it it's, um, it's all about the practicality of those measures. So it's interesting to hear Chris speak about, he estimated a, about a 5% premium for those things. But I think the results really speak for themselves not only does he have no power bills but it's exceptionally comfortable and Christchurch like anywhere is not immune to power cuts and their house performs perfectly well if the power goes out which it has done just this week actually so there you go it is definitely possible um most of the country is not in as quite harsh environment as Christchurch so if it can be done there it can be done pretty much the whole country Don't forget to check out Chris's website, Chris Mackay Photography. If you you found today useful and you'd like to thank Chris, you can get in touch with him there and and check out some of his stunning photographs as well. So thank you very much for tuning in and listening to Homestyle Green. If you do enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate you leaving a comment or a rating over on iTunes. And do also get in touch, comments at homestylegreen.com. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week.